Hello and welcome to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Dan. And I'm Sarah. We're a movie show that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season the theme is criminals. Like all good podcasts, this show contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the movie we're covering. Okay, so we're back again. It's our penultimate episode of our criminal season, and we're covering I Saw the Devil. How are we at the penultimate episode already? I know, right? It's gone really fast. This one's gone even faster than season one. Yeah. We've I got... mean, we didn't have seven Police Academy movies to watch this season, True. so that helped. <laughs> True. We've, we're covering half the amount of movies yeah. that we covered for <laughs> the, our first season. Yeah, you're right. We're already at our penultimate one, so we've got this one, then one more. That's what penultimate means. Yeah. And, <laughs> Thanks um, for patronising me. <laughs> mansplaining you. That was in the Thief episode, I did that. <laughs> um, right, yeah, so we're doing I Saw the Devil, which is a 2010 Korean movie. Yeah, my pick. Your pick, yeah, because yeah, you're a huge fan of Korean cinema, aren't you, Massive. in general? yeah. Very much so. And and this guy in particular as well. Kim the director. Ji-won. Yes. Kim Ji-won, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm only familiar with him because of you. I hadn't seen A Tale of Two Sisters until you showed me that movie a few months ago. And you were tremendously underwhelmed, if I remember rightly. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it wasn't for me. I didn't get a huge a huge deal out of it, I was yeah, going to say. That well. doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> I didn't get much out of that movie. That's, I think That's fair. It's not for everybody. There was a ghost living in a cupboard or something. I don't really remember what happened in that movie other than, eh, a bit boring, wasn't it? I mean, ghost stuff isn't typically your bag, is it? So. Not really, no. Unless it's like a popcorn horror time, which I find yeah. fun. Ghosty stuff is not typically my jam. Okay. Apart from that one when Swayze made that, that pottery. No. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, so Kim Ji Won, um, we watched The Good, The Bad and The Weird we did as well, we did we? in prep for this we did yeah um which was pretty good mm. i have actually seen one of his movies before which i completely forgot about okay which the, one the last stand when we're talking about korean movies i don't think we can include that one he directed that movie he did he i'm did. talking about his filmography not korean movies right necessarily. all right that's fair but yeah apparently arnie's um a massive fan of i saw the devil yeah. and wanted to work with uh with this guy, so he's that's a, how that came about. I heard he's a huge fan of I Saw the Devil and a stogie. Was, <laughs> he does like a stogie, put a yeah. Fucking stogie in your gob. <laughs> that's proper manly. That like let's let's put a phallic thing in our mouth. It's that's how you know. It, it? Yeah, good stogie. Straight to the manosphere. Um, also, Kim Ji Won has a movie coming out this year called Cobweb. Oh, which is I think it's doing the. Um, rounds at the moment on the festival circuit. <gasps> I so didn't know about I, this. It, it looks like some reviews are starting to come through now at time of recording. By the time this episode comes out, it may well be out. I, I have no <gasps> idea. Oh, but yeah, he's got a new one coming out. So we is, will... is that English language or is that back to Korea? I believe it's Korean. Okay, I believe it's back to Korea. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's in the film? Who's who's in the film? You ask. Yes, I do. So, so we have uh, Choi Min Sik. Plays Kyung. He's, mm-hmm. I, I guess, old boy, which I watched for the first time last night. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I'd never seen it. 
I'd never, I, the main reason I, I was aware of it roughly when it came out, is it 2003, that movie? I want to say it's 2003 and then the remake was a decade later, I believe. I've only seen the Superior remake. Fuck off. <laughs> have, you, have you actually seen the remake? No, I haven't. Oh, no. God. No, I was I was a kind of aware when the original came out around 2003 at some point, and I was super lazy then, so I wouldn't have consumed a movie with subtitles on uh, uh, account of me being a stupid teenage boy. <laughs> but the main reason I hadn't got round to it in more recent years is because I knew all of the beats that happened in that movie or the oh, more man. important plot beats and twists and turns of that movie, which we won't spoil here. But there's some major stuff that happens in that movie, which you know if you've seen it. Yeah, some fucked up stuff. Yeah. So I put it. I put off watching it, but I suggested that maybe we watch that before covering this one because it was a hole in my Korean yeah. um, films. So I wanted and, to consume that. Or, and there's some overlap with Choi Min-sik as well. Choi Min-sik is in both of those movies, yeah. And um, I'm glad we watched it. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was a good movie. I really liked it. It's, 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 it was a good, solid film. I do feel <laughs> like some of the... Um, enjoyment was maybe removed f- for me because of I was aware of how it was going to end. So the whole way through, yeah. I was just going, when's he going to find this out? And when's this oh, going to happen? And when's that going to happen? That's oh. such a shame because that the first viewing experience when you learn those massive revelations, I, I don't know, I remember it kind of blew my mind at the time. It would do. You'd be like, yeah. what? He did what fuck? now? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Who wrote this? <laughs> what kind of sick and can I go for beers with them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, good. It was a good movie. It was good. I I, I joke a little bit saying no, it was pretty good because people love that fucking movie, mm. and it was a really good movie. Not something that I'm going to revisit an awful lot. Okay. But pretty decent. I think something is definitely taken away by knowing the plot elements. Um, I'm trying to be really cagey because yeah. I don't want to spoil that one and pass on your experience because yeah. it's much better to go in as blind as possible but i don't know i would i, I have quite happily rewatched that film many okay. times just yeah. to appreciate the craft so it's weird isn't it like because the way that i watched it was almost like a rewatch i, I yeah. hadn't seen it but because i was aware of where it was going i knew the plot of the movie so yeah the, the one thing that um i had heard about it which didn't come up in the film i think i told you about this yesterday like, <laughs> okay. before we put it on i was like oh i know what happens in this movie and you said what do you know and again not going to reveal anything <laughs> now but i went and he's mates with a mouse <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where that came that from. never happened are you thinking it? of the green mile <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> mr jexy or whatever he's called him mr jingles <laughs> Sure. Jingles. I don't know. But yeah, the whole film, I was like, when's the mouse going to come? And it never happened. That would have been an interesting addition to that film. Maybe that's only in the remake. Maybe, yeah. Josh Brolin is mates mates with with a mouse. mouse. Yeah, yeah, so Choi Min-sik, also in Lady Vengeance, which I have seen. Which he played another serial killer in. Mm, Okay. He's not afraid to play the bad guy. No. Uh, And Lucy. He was in Lucy. Oh. I can't remember much about that film. I do, sadly. I know Scarlett Johansson turns into a memory card or something, <laughs> I think. Everyone needs a paycheck. Yeah. Also, the other major player in this film, Lee Byung-hun, plays mm. Kim or Agent Sue. He's also in The Good, Bad and the Weird. I can see you smiling <laughs> away there because when we're watching the film, you've been like, very like, he's a bit of all right, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I was like, yeah, he's attractive attractive dude 
Um, yeah, also in The Good, The Bad and The Weird, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, very much. He's done a bit of Hollywood stuff as well. G.I. Joe, he was in okay. G.I. Joe number one with the magic suits and G.I. Joe number two with Bruce Willis. <laughs> Maybe Bruce Willis is a G.I. Joe or something. I haven't seen the second one Yeah, on but, account of having um, seen the first one. <laughs> yeah, they're not great. No. But he played Storm Shadow in it and I'm sure he was great. He was also in Terminator Genesis. Ugh. And he played a T-1000 when we're rebooting the events of Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 into one kind of weird. That's a weird movie. Yeah. So in terms of like, there's been like four Terminator 3s. That's how I see it. Which one is the worst? Very quick tangent. Uh, Genesis. Yeah. Uh, I I knew you were going to say that. It's not even that close for me. No. It's kind of, you got Terminator 3. Terminator 3 was pretty bad. It was it was bad in the sense that it was just a parody of Terminator 2. Yeah. But not the worst, in my opinion. <laughs> I think you've got Terminator 3, Salvation, and Dark Fate. I kind of put them on a similar level. I think Dark Fate's the best one out of all of those. I agree. But it's still... Why are we doing this? It's, yeah. You know, why is Arnold a curtain salesman? I don't understand this. <laughs> But um, we digress. We yeah, digress. I'm not going to get you started on Terminator because we'll be here all day. Fucking one day we're going to be covering <laughs> Terminator 1 or Terminator yeah, 2. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And then that'll be a four-hour episode. <laughs> Let's keep it on Korean cinema for now. So okay. we were talking about Lee Byung-hun, weren't we? Your, mm-hmm. your bit of all right, your mate, your your <laughs> bit of flavour that you like to look at. And have like, got a wet torso and got water dripping down him. He's an see. attractive man, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, I think I find him attractive. <laughs> Going off that, yeah, yeah, you're more preoccupied with his torso <laughs> than I am. <laughs> Um, he was in a film while researching this podcast. I was looking up his filmography. He was in a film called A Bit of Sweet Life. And that's on the watch list now. Yeah. I, I, I really would like to watch that. So Same. we will procure that. I did look for it on the various streaming platforms that we we're members of. Mm. And they weren't on any of them. Well, so this is the this is the issue. I think, I, obviously, I love Korean cinema. I really do. But... Most of what I've seen is the stuff that's readily available in the West. There must be so much that doesn't really get yeah. exported or pushed in the same way. Like, I don't know, for every parasite, there's going to be a, a dozen other decent films that we probably, you know, probably don't get a look in in the West, which is a real shame. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to work a bit harder to track some of them down, I think now. Well, that could be your job. OK, <laughs> because I think I'm not as certainly not as well versed in Korean cinema as you are. I've seen less than 10 i would say i most... made you watch project wolf on thing a few weeks ago and you did not oh, yeah. like that one <laughs> yeah, did. i didn't care for that, that was, it was good fun was silly <laughs> um but yeah i'm i guess i'm more familiar with you know the big names your park yeah. chan work and your bong joon ho's mm-hmm. i've seen multiple of their movies yeah but i hadn't seen any um kim ji won until Ki- you met me yes exactly <laughs> you're welcome and we kicked that off with a tale of two sisters but it only got better from there yeah in my opinion okay i guess we need to talk about i saw the devil a little bit don't we because that's that's what we're here to do sure i have the briefest synopsis known to man good which i love so obviously we said at the intro to the show we are going to be spoiling things so if you haven't seen it go and see it if you have seen it go and see it again because yeah. it's great but a little refresher, a secret, uh, no, <laughs> a secret agent exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases. And that's yeah. kind of it in a nutshell, a very small nutshell. There's far more to it than that. There is. I've, I've got my own summary synopsis 
And it's even briefer than that. It's Tom and Jerry meets Jigsaw. Okay, yep. It's a catch and release thriller. Mm -hmm. Revenge thriller? Yes and no. I have a question. Go for it. Is this a horror film? Yeah. No hesitation? No hesitation. Okay. I think it straddles a few different genres. It does. But horror is definitely one of them. That's the thing that struck me the most while I was watching I Saw the Devil. I was expecting it to be more horror. Were you? Okay. Yeah. And what I got, in my opinion, I I don't class this as a horror film. Okay. I class this as an action thriller. Yeah. Well, it's certainly both of those things as well. True. Yeah, it can be all of these things. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I guess, what your personal feelings are it being most of. To me, this is a really twisty-turny horror thriller. Yeah. It is a very twisty-turny horror thriller. I think that's another synopsis somewhere (laughs) that I read. Twisty-turny horror thriller. (laughs) It's, It's horrific. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's horrific and some really nasty shit happens in oh this film. Oh my God, does it? And I was, but I was pleasantly surprised by how much action there is in this film. Mm, That's yeah. the thing that surprised me the most. And I thought it was great. I thought it was fucking brilliant. And this is my favorite career movie by a country to mile. date. Yeah. Okay. I could see myself rewatching this a lot. Okay. Which is saying something for a film that's nearly two and a half hours it's a long movie it's Uh, a big commitment yeah yeah and while we were watching it fully aware that it was a long movie but i was just in it you were like literally on the edge of your seat yeah for about half of it you were perched on the edge of the sofa like absorbed i just i couldn't get enough of this movie Mm. i did not want it to end i thought it was magnificent i thought it was beautiful yeah i thought the action was incredible it was surprising. I didn't know where it was going. The performances were great. And I just, I really haven't got, a, if you're tuning into this, hoping <laughs> that we're going to give a balanced review, you're in the wrong place because it's just going to be me going, this fucking great, this movie. This rules. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Obviously, I read out the synopsis from IMDb, which is a one line, very simple synopsis, but kind of gives away some of the plot. Mm. So... Did you know anything about this beyond it being a film about a serial killer? I don't think I even knew that. Okay. I knew very little about this film. Yep. I was aware of it coming out maybe a year or two after it was released. Mm -hmm. One of those, you must see this movie. And I think one day I sat down and planned to watch it. But when I found out it was not English, <laughs> not in English language, yeah, I didn't, I didn't ever bother watching it. But I don't ever recall ever really knowing what this movie was about. And when, okay. when, kind of when you lock into the idea of I'm, you're going to watch something, I'm kind of like, well, I don't need What's to watch point? a trailer. I don't yeah. need to find anything out. And I think this film, maybe more than anything that we've covered, is a film that benefits most from just going in completely dry and removing yeah. all expectations. Like the only expectation I had of it is that I thought it was a horror movie. Okay. So maybe I assumed there was some kind of killing or traps, or not traps, or something going on along those lines, but I had no idea really what the film was about. Okay. So I was really surprised by some of the things that happened in this. So your advice would be to go in as blind as possible? Yeah. And I if mean, that's the case with a lot of films, isn't it, really? I would say any film, really, is better yeah. to go in knowing nothing about them, to remove all expectations. Yeah. Um, for me personally, anyway. But um, certainly with a film like this, I feel like if you go in with the least amount of knowledge possible, you're only going to enjoy it even more. Uh, although, you know, this film is pretty brutal and it's not for everybody. It's... 
Yeah, it's it's definitely not one that I would recommend to just about anyone. <laughs> I'd have to be a bit more careful choosing who I spoke about this film yeah. highly to. But yeah, it does start off quite serenely almost, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you mean with the the landscape, the setting, the Yeah, like the the car it's quite- um you you kind of seeing things from the driver's point of view, cars driving through snow. There are almost like angel wings on the mirror. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of really cool visuals. I I love kind of the the image of driving to like into snow when it's heavily yeah. snowing driving into it. Yeah. Um because it feels like you're going into hyperspeed. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that very much. But yeah, it it starts off quite calmly. It's got that string heavy score that a lot of Korean films seem to favor. Mm. But it works really well. But it kind of sets you up for uh, something different i think mm. as you say if you go in completely blind which you should it almost like tricks you into thinking it's going to be something it's not because you see this woman who's broken down at the side of the road she calls her partner who we agent sue agent sue that we kind of somewhat learn is some kind of secret agent yeah i mean one thing I love about this film is that we're never really told anything explicitly. You have to really pay attention to the dialogue and pick things up along the way. Because I don't I don't remember being told at any point that he was a secret agent. Not explicitly anyway. But obviously the job that he's doing at the start, the clothes he's wearing, the earpiece and stuff, you, you know, you piece it together. Yeah. He's obviously some kind of enforcer. Yeah. I assumed like a CIA or something, yeah. the Korean equivalent. Um, but yeah, you you kind of have to pay attention. It's not really given to you, but also it's not really important. No, like, like no. It, I think the important thing to know is that he has training yeah, and he is some kind of enforcer of law. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's really important what form that is that or for what form that's in. But yeah, you're right. It does start off quite serenely. You see the snow, you see the landscape and immediately I'm thinking of David Fincher. Okay. Immediately, I'm thinking of Seven. I got a lot of Seven vibes from this movie, and apparently I've heard was that com- comparison before. Yeah. Apparently, was um, Seven was an influence on uh, when they were creating the movie. Okay. So immediately, I got that. The snow setting was very beautiful to look at, and I always mm. enjoy seeing that contrast of red and white with the blood on snow. I think it just looks incredible. Is there anything more striking visually than blood on snow? I know that sounds gross. <laughs> no, no. But, but they it, did, they it, did, look, it does look beautiful. Yeah, you're right. They, and they did something similar in The Raid 2 where they've got the white mm. kitchen, they've got the claret running over the white kind of tiling in the kitchen, and uh, that's a similar. White and red just kind of blend together. Just those stark contrasts. He says while wearing a red and white shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's blood. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of it kind of wrong foots you a little bit. Because yeah. it, it just come and watch this nice movie of snow. Maybe Santa will be in it and it will <laughs> all nice. And, you know, we're all just going to sit here and have a lovely time. But no. It definitely lulls you into a bit of a false sense of security there. Yeah, because who we learn is Kyung approaches this car that's broken down. And offers to help change a tire. Mm. He uh, eventually breaks his way into the car and murders the person that's in it, mm-hmm. which is a long, quite a long sequence, right? Because he takes her away to his murder dungeon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an offshoot of the apartment he lives in. Yes, like behind something through yeah. like they're, they're 
been bricks removed it's been hidden but yeah, yeah he has a full-on serial killer lair yeah and then we we immediately are introduced to him and what he's he's all about he's all about the killing and the murders and she begs for her life and she tells him that she's pregnant mm-hmm. he's having none of it he clearly doesn't give a oh, shit he is fully dead inside absolutely and that was our introduction to that character he just takes her out he decapitates her he dismembers her without blinking just yeah almost um it's so matter of fact as yeah. well the way he does it and just a little kind of chuckle as when he sees the her head we don't see her head drop on the floor but when he uses a guillotine and decapitates her you hear a little thud and assume that it's her head dropping on the floor and he does a little chuckle and that kind of made me laugh when he did that but it's very just it just feels like everyday work for yeah. him yeah yeah, which like, is terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. But I love that because it's rare you see psychopaths portrayed in that way. There's always kind of they're always either sort of cartoonish, yeah, or there's an attempt to humanize them, which I don't necessarily think works or should be the case. I think it depends on a project and a story yeah. you're telling. I guess but- like this guy isn't a Hannibal Lecter. He is just a stone cold. No charisma, no nothing. Yeah. He's just a fucking asshole who will rape, murder, like dismember anyone that gets in his way yeah. indiscriminately. Yeah, and it, but I don't think it's necessarily people that get in, get in his way. There's obviously people that he encounters throughout the movie that he doesn't like and he kind of seems to get more bold with the things that he's inflicting yeah. on people. And I think that's because there's escalation in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think more than anything... He's just doing shit that he wants to do. And that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. His motivation is just... This is fun to me. Yeah. and yeah. But it's terrifying because you can't negotiate with that. There's no compromise there. It's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, well, I want this. I want you to die. I think that's kind yeah. of the crux of the film, though, because yeah. obviously you said at the start, do I consider this to be a horror film? I do. But if we're considering revenge films their own kind of subgenre, I would put it first and foremost as a revenge film. Mm. But I don't know what it is. Korean revenge films just kind of hit different. They're built different. <laughs> like yeah. Western revenge films generally have, here's the ex- inciting incident. Now we're onto the revenge portion. Mm. It's fairly cut and dry. Whereas Korean films seem a lot more the ones that i've seen anyway i can't i can only i can't generalize i can only talk about the the handful that i've seen but from what i can gather it seems to be more about this one especially deconstructing the subgenre as a whole and questioning like positing the the moral element of it and because you know in in your standard revenge movie you're supposed to side with the person seeking revenge because they've been wronged we're supposed to want them to to get their own back, you know, yeah. to to enact vengeance. And in this case, it, it's nothing but shades of grey. And there is some entertainment to be derived from Agent Sue catching and releasing this guy, but it breaks him ultimately. And the the, the ultimate question is, is, is it worth it? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that does put this movie above and beyond a standard revenge flick for me. Yeah. A lot of the themes in, of this movie, and the most obvious one, is, as you've just said, is like the kind of an eye for an eye kind of scenario where you're taking revenge, but what does it cost you? Yeah. And actually, are you, are you any better than the person that you're enacting revenge on? Because you're also using violence to, to make a point. 
you're kind of uh, becoming the monster that you're chasing. Yeah. Same with um, same with Animal Kingdom last week, actually. There's a lot of, as you say, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Yeah. These these two films, Two Weeks on the Trot, both kind of exemplify that phrase. Yeah, and you're right. And a lot of Hollywood revenge movies kind of glorify that kind of, oh, you know, if my wife was murdered, then I'd go out and hunt down these, these gangs and take them mm. all out and, you know, kneecap them and all that stuff. But this movie asks the question like, well, what does that mean? You're going to, okay, you're going to do that, but where does that leave you at the end? Yeah. Are you any better than them? I would argue that maybe you're maybe not as bad, but you certainly have done some bad shit. Yeah. And the fact that he's catching him and releasing him means that there are repercussions for other people. Oh, this is, that's, like, that's absolutely it. Like the, the sheer amount of collateral damage that happens that, as know, a result, needlessly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really interesting moral quandary and yeah. not necessarily something I've seen asked before in a film like this. Yes. This is no death wish. <laughs> no, it's no death wish. It's definitely a rung or 10 rungs above anything like that, in my opinion, just because of the way that it's set up. And we're talking about is revenge warranted? What does revenge look like? Is it worth it? Mm. Do you get what you need from it? And the other thing that I was thinking of, and it's kind of along a similar line, similar realm is the use of fear um, as a way to control. Mm. It's not something that I've seen anyone else talking about. And I've, I've done a relatively deep dive on this movie and, and tried to see what other people were talking about to one, so I can avoid what they're saying <laughs> yeah. and maybe hopefully bring something new to the conversation. But I haven't seen anyone talking about how fear is used as a method of control. Because I, I feel like throughout the, the whole movie, Agent Sue is trying to make Young afraid. Yeah, you know, he you, wants to put him in a vulnerable position to feel what his victims perhaps feel. I'm not going to let you die until you you're you're most fearful. Yeah, and you're most vulnerable. But what he learns throughout the movie is that he's just not afraid. That point doesn't exist. It doesn't for matter. Him. Yeah. And I and I kept thinking about the justice system and how the justice system uses fear. You know, fear of consequences. Don't yeah. murder that person because you'll go to prison for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not why I don't murder people. <laughs> yeah. I don't murder people because I don't want <laughs> to. Because you don't have that urge to, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I think the point is that you have crazy people like this this guy who's gonna go out if he wants to kill people, he's gonna kill people. Mm. It doesn't matter if there are any consequences the fear of or not. Re- repercussions doesn't he, stop them. He has no fear. There's even a bit in a movie where he will just go and hand himself in just yeah. to piss off the the main, just to piss off Agent Sue, just mm. to get under his skin a bit. And I kept thinking about that and 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 the fear, the fear thing. It's not something I've seen discussed anywhere else. But for me, and maybe it wasn't intended by the director, um, and in the writing of the piece. But for me, as a subjective view. I, that's all I could think about throughout the movie mm. is he's trying to make this guy fearful um, to maybe think about what he's doing to other people, but he just doesn't feel that. It's just like, it's like there's something that he doesn't have. Yeah. And you can call it evil, you can call him a monster, but he's a human being and some human beings don't have that. I mean, yes, obviously he's horrible, he's disgusting, he is a monster, he is evil. But I do, I feel like those terms are used in a way to distance themselves from these yeah, people. Yeah, to make them seem inhuman. To make them, So we don't have to confront it. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, 
yeah, so that was just something that I just, I have not been able to stop thinking about that. So I just wanted to mention it. I'll get it out there. Maybe it's nothing. It wasn't intended, but my own thoughts on it were definitely that that is a, a major theme running throughout the movie. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if that was intended, to be honest, because um, a lot of thought obviously went into this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess Agent Sue was kind of doomed from the outset because if somebody doesn't care about legal repercussions and they go about killing and, you know, maiming whatever else yeah. to other human beings, then why would they fear anything? Exactly. And, and But also you can stretch that to Agent Sue as well. He's not afraid. He knows that what he's doing is wrong. As You know, in the yeah. eyes of the law, he's going to get reprimanded from, for all of these things that he's done. So does he fear the consequences? Not really. He just wants to do this thing. And that, that to me just muddies the water between the two characters. It blurs the lines. Do you think it's that he doesn't fear consequences or just that he's so blinded by his singular need to enact revenge? Yeah. He's just not thinking that far ahead. I think that's probably more accurate, but then I would also argue that maybe Kyung is not thinking that far ahead and he is yeah. just acting on his own instincts. I want to kill, so I'm going to kill. Yeah. And be a fucking horrific, disgusting bastard. And I just think that I think that the fear doesn't play a role in either of these two psyche for the the events that happen in this film. I think that's fair, yeah. Um, which I would was, agree with that. It was just an interesting interesting thing that I was thinking of, and I've not been able to stop thinking about it. But um, No, I like that. Would, this came out in 2010, mm-hmm. this movie. Now, I know that there were a bunch of films after, like, I guess, Saw, which kind of kicked off this whole torture poop. Po- Torture poon? <laughs> that sounds horrific. <laughs> it's a different genre. Yeah, that sounds even less pleasant than yeah. torture porn. Torture porn. I've seen a few people levy the argument against this that this is torture porn and they don't care for it. What do you think about that? Ooh. Um, is this torture porn? No, because I think the plot kind of justifies its own existence. I think it's not gore or debauchery for entertainment's sake. Yeah. I think it's it's more interesting than that. It's I, not like look at the look at this guy killing women and yeah. you know committing all this sexual violence against people. Isn't this entertaining? Aren't we all entertained? No, it's not one of those films. No. I, I don't see it that way anyway. I totally agree. And I was sort of scratching my head a little bit when I've seen that argument thrown around. And I can only assume that it's because around about the time it came out, there was a lot of those types of movies. Probably. And it was they, just neater to slot it in a category uh, that already uh, existed. I guess so. And, you know, thinking about the movie, thinking about the, the themes and what we see and the messages of it, I think quite clearly it's not torture porn. Mm. You know, it's a violent story. That doesn't yeah. mean that we have to enjoy what we're seeing. It doesn't mean we can go, oh, cool, there's a head off of a body there. You're going, oh, shit, there's a head off of a body there. Mm. And that's gross and shocking. And why has this happened? And it explores the reasons and all of the themes around it. Whereas torture porn for me is just, let's slice an Achilles heel. Because you want to see that, don't you, audience? Let's have some popcorn because isn't that fun and watch Hostel Part 2 and all of that stuff. No, don't talk about the Achilles tendon. Achilles tendons being sliced in films is my Achilles heel. (laughs) Like the most ironic thing ever. No, I can't stand it. But that kind of plays into what you're saying. I think this film is excellent. But there is stuff on screen that makes me deeply, deeply uncomfortable yeah. in different ways. Obviously, the the wincy kind of gore element that you just talked about. 
but also again like the sexual violence against women that makes me very uncomfortable i don't enjoy seeing that no but then also i would argue and this may be a strange argument to have but i feel like that the director does exercise some restraint in what they're showing you i would agree because I mean, there is there there are some things that you see like the achilles tendon we just see that just whipped out just mm-hmm. it just whip it out and it's oh. it's it's fucking horrific but there's the, <laughs> but there's some things that we mentioned about the head thud on the floor you don't mm-hmm. see that you hear it and you yeah. see Kyung's reaction and then there's other things where you see him maybe sharpening a knife and then the camera will move away from that area and you see the aftermath of what's happened so I actually think there's quite a lot of restraint shown in this film and I, if it was torture porn it would just show you it'd all be of non-stop that. yeah i i definitely agree with you there i think that's um, not to say that there aren't some scenes that are really difficult to watch and, yeah and the, i think the most difficult one is with the kid yeah oh man that's that's genuinely yeah. horrific yeah i it's a tough one isn't it it's a tough one i i really enjoy enjoy might be the wrong word (laughs) i really like watching films that i find to be challenging yeah but i couldn't tell you why i don't know what i find rewarding about that because there are films that i love like climax for example you hated it you're not a gasper noe fan i get it absolutely i get look i understand it i really do his work is like appalling in so many ways i can't stomach it it's too much for me Yeah, yeah but but i don't I don't know. I've tried reasoning this with myself and I couldn't tell you what it is I like about stuff like that, but I like to feel challenged. And I I don't know if it's like (laughs) some sort of sick endurance test for me. I don't know. But some of that is definitely true here. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's, um, It's interesting. I think, I couldn't say for sure, but I think we watched the uncut version. Okay. I did read that the Korean Film Classification Board did ask Kim Ji-won to, well, didn't ask, demanded that he remove some footage from the film to even get a release Mm. because if he hadn't cut it, it would have been restricted, which means no home video release at all. Mm. Like seriously limited. So he bowed to pressure and did the cuts. But I also read in another place, such as the internet, contradictory (laughs) opinions everywhere, but I did read somewhere else that the international version was the uncut version. So I'm assuming we watched the uncut one, but I couldn't say for sure. Mm, Okay. I I mean, I would assume so. I would hope so. Yeah. But just kind of going back to what you were saying, I think you're right in that he shows restraint because there is some deeply uncomfortable, horrific shit on display that wouldn't be out of place in, say, a hostile film. But it's kind of sparse for a film that's nearly two and a half hours long yeah it is quite plot heavy and there's the gore is just sort of peppered throughout rather than relentless i think there are there are because it's so long there are more than a handful of extremely violent scenes yeah some of them are some of them depict violence against um completely innocent people like the child Mm-hmm. or the police chief, or Agent Sue's fiancé. Those are particularly difficult to watch. And then there are other instances of extreme violence, but they're against the, the serial killer and, oh God, we haven't even spoken about the cannibal yet. But We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Also against those people. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, I think it, he's, he's 
setting this world up for you. He's showing, he's introducing you, look, we're in a violent world here. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, most of the violence is going to be against these horrific people. Yeah. But should we be doing that? Why are you enjoying this audience? Why are you liking it? Why do you want to see more violence? I, I feel like it's more, I don't know, it's just done more interesting than anything I've seen in a, in a long, long time. Because I feel like a lot of people are saying this is too violent and and it, maybe it is for some people if it's too violent for you. Fair enough. I'm not going to yeah, judge you for I that. I understand that. Fine. Totally it's not get for everybody. It. Yeah, 100%. But for me, the violence kind of is the point of it. Yeah. Because he's shown you how futile it is to just blindly just try and enact revenge. Where's that going to leave you? Yeah. Oh, and now you just, you're broken as well. Yeah, you point? just end up in a cycle and then where does it end? Yeah. So I feel like it's actually in many ways anti-violent this movie it sounds weird to say <laughs> yeah. but that's my feeling of it i think that's the message isn't it i hope so <laughs> ultimately I hope so yeah I yeah. Think so. yeah it is it is definitely but also it's just a good Ooh. old fun time i think some of it you know <laughs> i i was just about to say it's kind of impartial but i'm not sure if it is because at some places it does come close to just condemning everybody's actions yeah but I, I think even the police chief you know he is the father of sue's fiance oh and he has a hand in the whole thing well yeah but he does also say you need to stop yeah you need to stop yeah but uh, only after he's kind of given agent sue the the suspect lists yeah. and you know sent him on his way oh he gave him the suspect list yeah didn't he? yeah so right. he definitely had a hand in it i don't know if he knew i mean he must have known or like been able to piece together that there was yeah. some sort of revenge plan in place. Yeah. Well, I think I think the fact that at some point he decides maybe this is not the right thing to do. Yeah. That kind of, his dialogue in the film was maybe one of the most telling moments for me that was showing me the point of view of this movie. This is pointless. Yeah. Why are we doing this? It's not going to bring her back. Yeah. It's not going to fix anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting though. The whole film is really interesting. And the questions that it asks are kind of unthinkable. But I absolutely understand why if one of your loved ones was taken away in the heat of the moment, you would want revenge. You would absolutely, from your heart of hearts, want the perpetrator to be taken out. I get that. But it is sort of forcing you to examine the repercussions of that. Yeah. And this is kind of, I feel like this is this is not really set in the real world. This is kind of, it feels like a John Wicky kind of like, well, like, like this our world, but extra in a way. So it doesn't feel I'm not quite like sure. A, I'm not sure on that point. You, and I'm going to tie that into one of the notes that I made, actually. Something that I've observed about Korean films, the ones that I've seen anyway, is that Films like this that exist that tackle really, really heavy subject matter aren't afraid to also shoehorn in a little bit of like gross out humor. Mm. Um, like at the beginning when Agent Sue sort of starts on his mission of revenge and he's trying to go through this list of suspects and he visits a couple of them and yeah. brutalizes them. The first guy that I think he goes to see is just kind of jerking off in front of porn. Yeah. And it's grotesque. And it's straight out of like a gross out comedy film. It feels quite out of place mm. unless you've seen a lot of Korean cinema and kind of start to realize that, oh, maybe they've just got a fucked up sense of humor. Yeah. Because that does seem to happen a lot. But I don't know. I, I, I see what you're getting at in terms of like a heightened reality. Yeah, that's the term that I was looking for. Yeah. But I do wonder if some of that is just cultural differences. Okay. Because like I say, that is something I see in a lot of Korean films. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, 
So you've you've just mentioned that he's gone after two of the four suspects because mm-hmm. he was handed a list of, as you say, four suspects. Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, it was four. And he takes out the first two, um, takes a wrench to the, the, oh the ball sack of, of suspect number one. Yep. Um, I don't even have one and that made me cross my legs. I have one. <laughs> I did cross my legs. Yeah. <laughs> or uncross my legs, depending on whether they were crossed or not in the first place. That was pretty difficult to, <laughs> to watch. Um, and then he just he, go, he so he go, he gets those two. Then he goes after Kyung. Yeah, I think Kyung is the, the number third three. on his list. So yeah. what happens to number four? Four's well, just gotten away. I guess so. Yeah, four is four is unimportant because he's not yeah. the target. He's not the mission, is he? I'm assuming that all four of these people are guilty of something. Well, the one whose bollocks are brutalized, as yeah. you so poetically put it. I, um, I believe I said balsa. <laughs> okay, he is so kind of freaked out in hospital after this attack that he ends up confessing to murders so he is definitely guilty just not of this particular murder yeah because when he when agent sue starts going after these people you do think oh you know this might be a bit much here but i guess Mm. if he's admitting to crimes it's kind of like well okay then (laughs) (laughs) we'll let it slide yeah he is vengeance (laughs) um i got huge batman vibes from this huge (laughs) Yeah, because uh, I I was I was not expecting this movie to be what it was, okay. especially when he's catching him and releasing him and just beating the shit out of him. I think the first time that happened when he walked away because he was holding the rock over his head. And yeah, he he left him, and I remember you turning around to me and being like, "Huh? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> he's caught him so early, and now he's letting him go. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, I got huge Batman vibes. <laughs> huge Batman vibes from that. But yeah, I suppose it's probably the the first hour is setting up the characters and then it's from the first, from the end of the first hour, the last 90 minutes of the movie is the catch and release, right? Yeah. Very roughly. So the first time that he catches him is in the greenhouse where Kyung is, he's a, by the way, he's a fucking school bus driver. Hiding in plain sight. That's what they do. And he he kind of figures out that he's about to get found out. So he takes Mm. his very last opportunity to try and sexually assault a minor. So he takes her to a weird, like, greenhouse secluded location where he tries to... to... He's he's basically dug a grave. This was the thing I found hardest to watch was that scene. Yeah, it's horrifying. If I've got one criticism of this movie, I think maybe that scene went on just a little bit too long. Agreed. And there was a shot where you're sort of seeing from his point of view, looking at the schoolgirls like undergarments and i was just like this is this is not okay yeah that's that's the one thing i would say we could probably could have pared this down like yeah. we can imagine what this i mean he's got the kid on her own we know what his intentions are we don't need to see much more of this yeah i mean if you look at like the french film revenge for example um that's a really good example of a rape revenge movie where you don't you don't see the sexual assault right. you see like the beginning the beginnings of it the suggestion and that's it that's all you need yeah because anybody watching that can piece together what's happened and knows how horrific it is you don't need to see it no. i think that is i think that is maybe crossing a line yeah um but then i i've heard from actual sexual assault survivors who consider that sort of thing to be really cathartic and empowering yeah. so I don't know. It's a it's a personal thing, I yeah. guess, on many levels, as long as the movie is getting across the point that it needs to make. Yeah. Which is the main thing. 
But personal personal preference, I would have liked yeah. that to have been chopped down, as Pers- you say. Personal preference, you could have just whipped 12 seconds off that scene yeah. and I would have been way more comfortable. But, you know, maybe that was the point. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, God, when's this going to finish? I, I, can't, I don't know how much longer I can sit through this. Maybe that's the point. It's forcing you into the shoes of an actual monster. <sighs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so when Agent Sue turns up and he just sort of shout he doesn't shout his name, he says it quietly and Kyung mm-hmm. kind of looks up and he's just standing at the end of that greenhouse. You're like, oh shit, what's going to happen here? <laughs> but again, was completely not expecting what was going to happen. They just end up having a, a really cool fight. <laughs> and I was not expecting really cool fights in this movie. So I was just overjoyed. Like the flying kind of kick was oh, it's, beautiful. It was fucking great. And he is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that's when he, he, like you say, he holds the rock over his head and he's going to, he, he, you feel like he's, he wants to kill him, mm-hmm. but he's kind of forced himself not to so that he can put him through as much pain and suffering yeah, as possible. just prolong the revenge. I'm going to break your arm a bit, Oof. then I'm going to give you some money and then you're off on your way. And then uh, he makes him swallow that tracking, tracking device. Yeah, the first time I watched this, I was really unsure what was happening because obviously he makes him swallow some white liquid as well. And yeah. I'm guessing that's sort of i don't know korean's version of imodium <laughs> to like bong him up so he doesn't oh right the tracker oh was that what soon. it was i assume so oh, i assumed he had achalasia and he couldn't swallow anything <laughs> without liquid well everybody listening to this will not know what achalasia is i guarantee <laughs> if you know what achalasia is reach out and let me know because i have achalasia <laughs> and we should all stick together yeah if you don't some sort of support group if you don't google it and if you don't care just move on from it move on with your life <laughs> Yeah, that was a little Achalasia-based joke there that one in 100,000 people are going to get. <laughs> so once we get 100,000 listeners, one of them is going to know what that is. But yeah, so he puts the tracking device on him and then it's this catch and release thing, which he does two or three times, I think. Yeah, so the first time he's released, he wakes up somewhere. No, no, no. He wakes up in the hole yeah. with a bunch of money on him yeah. and a broken arm, not knowing what the fuck happened. So he kind of... Is that when he sort of goes on the run and hitchhikes? Yeah. So he's, he, he he takes the money and he starts um, walking down a road where he's, a car pulls up next to him. Because he knew he, the police were sort of closing in on him anyway, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So at that point, he he doesn't know what's going on, does he? He, Choi Min Six character, he has woken up. He thought, oh, this guy's going to kill me, but he's actually let me go. Why has he let me go? What's happening? The police are still looking for me. Is he still looking for me? He doesn't know. So he's super paranoid. Mm-hmm. And he he portrays that perfectly, Joyman Sick. He's he's fucking great in this movie. Like really like dis, like a disgustingly depraved performance, but also yeah. like the shock and the confusion that he shows throughout the film. It's super well done. He's, he's not afraid to go to some dark places. Yeah. And actually I read something that he sort of went a little bit too method mm. when he was in this film. Okay. Um and he caught himself because he was in an elevator with somebody and somebody had been rude to him and he was thinking, I could just murder you. Mm. And he had to go, fuck, this has gone too far. Right. Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact anecdote. Well, I, I think about that sort of thing every time I see a Ben Shapiro video. <laughs> so, Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, he said he was another instance, I presume, where he was in an elevator with a, a young woman and she recognized him from his films and looked on kind of in fear and he sort of had to turn around and 
adjust himself and just sort of say, um, I don't know if this is kind of paraphrasing, but he says, I don't kill people anymore. So you don't need to be worried about me. I'm human, not a killer. Yeah. Anymore. (laughs) Anymore. Yeah. I don't think that would really bring me much comfort. No. Perhaps that was lost in translation. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, perhaps. (laughs) Let's hope. Perhaps. But I think just going back to him doing the catch and release stuff, I Mm -hmm. think when he releases him for the first time and then Kyung enacts his violence against other people, that's when I start to lose respect for the main character because oh because he's allowed this to continue he's released him so he's put other people in danger and another woman actually does get sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. in the doctor's surgery i think well yeah before that i mean you could argue that the murders he does just before that are fine because he murders two murderers (laughs) yeah but that taxi sequence is so good so good yeah, I would say that's one of my top three scenes in this film, I would say, yeah. is that taxi sequence and just the relentless stabbing. While the camera kind of spins. I don't know how they achieved that, spins but it around. looked excellent. Yeah, there's like a red gradient effect going on as well, which yeah. is all feeds into the, 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 the feel of that scene. It's beautifully done. Mm. I've not seen anything like that before. No, no, I haven't. But it's really well done. And yeah, you're right. Because these people are murderers and he refers to them as crazy bastards. Yeah. And has a little <laughs> laugh. But it's his own people. You know, it's yeah. his own kind. And he's he's stabbing and murdering these people. But that's, as you say, that's fine. Who cares? They're, they're murderers. They got what they deserved. Let's move on to the next scene. But the next scene is when he's being violent towards the doctor. And he's, yeah, I guess. he's been patched up. I feel what I got from his performance is that he's kind of wanted to be like this forever. Mm-hmm. He's wanted the, and he's suppressed it because of society. Um, he has always wanted to be outspoken and probably violent and have some sort of hold some sort of power over people, but he's always, he's never really let it out to a full extent, but now he's kind of about to go to jail. So why not do all the raping and, and intimidating that I want to do and, and violence towards people? Mm. And he sort of says to the doctor, he tries to bully him into taking off his glasses and then a nurse comes in and then he sexually assaults oh, that nurse. That's, that's horrible. But everything from that point forward, it's all because of Agent Sue has let yeah. him go. That's all on him, mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, obviously, he's not carrying out those crimes, but he's responsible for yeah. them. So th- and that's when you start to go, ah, you know, it's not Can't good, this catch and release thing. Anymore. Yeah. But it's interesting because uh, Sue comes in quite calmly as well. Like, he's almost got, like, this singular vision, like, I'm just yeah. going to get this revenge, and it doesn't matter who gets hurt. Um, in the process of this yeah because he very slowly walks into that surgery while um kyong is sexually assaulting the young woman yeah um but he very slowly walks in and bashes him with a fire extinguisher there's no it's quite methodical there doesn't seem to really be a sense of urgency Mm. just prior to that he's just putting the earphones in oh let's see what he's i wonder if he's raping and murdering oh he is yeah i guess i better go and take care of it like there's no urgency to him. He's just got this singular vision. No, my mission is to make sure to that he- To torture this guy. To torture this guy. Yeah. And he's like getting him to the point where he's about to do these really horrible, horrific scenes. Actually, it's too late a lot of the time. And a lot of innocent people are harmed, injured or killed because yeah. of him. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's when I start to sort of lose respect for his character a little bit. Absolutely. But that's what makes this film so interesting is yeah. that moral gray area, that quandary of like, yeah. well, it seems like he was doing a good thing, but yeah. no, he's lost focus. And and that's when he does the the Achilles, Achilles oh, little slice. No. 
And then um, he sort of, that's when he has the speech as well. And he says, come on, grow up, man. Your pain's only beginning. This is just the start of your suffering. And the nurse goes to leave and he says, no, no, don't leave. You need to stay and patch him up. <laughs> yeah. So he patches him up, he patches him up, sends him on his way again. And I think that's the third time that's when we were introduced to, uh, I remember when we were watching the film and you see Kyung's character approaching this figure that's that's feeding some dogs, I think, outside. Oh, yeah, and his you cannibal went, friend. I forgot about this, yeah. these people. <laughs> and I was watching it thinking, how the fuck can you forget about these people? These are insane. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot that goes on in this film. <laughs> there's a lot that happens in this movie. In my yeah. defense. <laughs> and then um and I was not expecting cannibals to appear. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from these people. But yeah. No it, depravity it, is off the table no. in this movie. But it, it turns out that his two friends had um taken over this house, murdered whoever was in there. It was keeping some prisoners as well, I think. Right? There They'd, was a lot going on. Yeah. I think as like a food source, I guess. Keeping yeah. alive, it keeps the food fresh. Mm-hmm. At least, uh, at least they were thinking about you know food hygiene. I've never been so happy to be vegan yeah. <laughs> watching this film. <laughs> but that the whole sequence in the house is incredible. There's mm. some really good shit that happens in there. There's the fight with the because Agent Sue eventually comes to that location. Obviously, he's still tracking him at that point. And he has a fight with the cannibal guy, big mm. old cannibal dudes. Stabs him in the hand. Stabs him in the hand. <laughs> Which one of the funniest moments, probably the funniest moment, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah. is when he takes the cannibal guy is trying to remove the knife from his hand that's gone through his hand and impaled onto a table and his hand's stuck on a table. He's trying to pull it out and the, the handle comes <laughs> and he's, he's look his on expression. His expression. Huh? <laughs> it's priceless it's yeah. so funny but that's that's what i mean about this film and korean films in general they're not afraid to throw in a bit of humor amongst some really harrowing dark shit yeah so dark sense of humor it yeah, makes for absolutely. an interesting tonal experience but somehow it works yeah it really does but i think sometimes as well you need that relief i talk about this yeah. a lot with comedy horror action suspense you know you need some you need to build up the tension how do you release it you, you give someone a laugh and that cleanses your palate so you can now build up the tension for the next scene. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of the best use of humour in a film like this, to just pierce that tension. And you can have a laugh for a second. You're not the two and a half hours of going, (laughs) you need that release. Yeah, It would be unbearable if it didn't have it. I think this sequence, um, you're right, it's incredible, but I think this whole bit is kind of the closest it comes to being a typical revenge movie. Yes. What? Because of the action? Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is the sort of thing you would expect when you hear this is a revenge film. Yeah. It's sequences like this. Yes. So he has a fight with the cannibal guy, stabs him through the hand, as we said. Kyung has kind of heard a bit of commotion. So he grabs a shotgun and goes after Agent Sue. And Agent Sue is running away. He jumps out of a window. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. He jumps out the window <laughs> and then climbs back up again. Yeah. I know because I'm thinking, yeah, get out, get out to safety. But he just immediately goes back in. <laughs> and then I'm sort of simultaneously going, what are you doing? But also, fuck yeah, you're a double hard bastard, aren't you? Yeah. Go and get him, Agent Sue. Just don't <laughs> let anyone else get hurt, please. Put this guy in the next John Wick movie. Right? Please. He was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, he could definitely be in a John Wick movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you've got that that sequence where he does the Home Alone bit, and he throws <laughs> oh, the spikes yeah. down the hallway, and is it like fishing? And then, yeah, um, hooks yeah, or fish, something. Fishing hooks. Yeah, that's Ugh. that's it. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just a, a, this at this point in the movie. I'm just thinking, I'm loving this. I'm like, <laughs> what else are they going to do that I'm just going to think is like a ten out of ten? Like the, the the traps on the floor and everything. I just thought 
there's so many ideas in this that I just mm. loved. Yeah. So what happens after that? Agent Sue kind of takes him to, I don't know what it is. Is it some sort of private health facility? Because he's there with his colleague who gave him the tracker, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like some covert health facility, as you say, for taking prisoners. Um, I don't know. Who knows? But he thinks that he's passed out. Yes. But he's not. He's come to and he's overhearing the conversation about the tracker. Yeah. And that's when he sort of seizes his opportunity to get one over on Agent Sue. Yeah. Yeah. possibly the most disgusting scene of the film that isn't even gore based oh uh, right yeah I know what <laughs> yeah yes. you know what i'm talking so about so he goes to the pharmacy <laughs> procures a bunch of laxatives Ugh. and then sifts through his own feces to fish out the tracking device yeah so he figures out that he's being tracked and he removes he, uh, that tracking device so that sue can't find him anymore Pops and it then out. Yes. And then we're in the tail end of the movie because he's mm-hmm. going after Sue's family or what remains of Sue's family because that's all he cares about at this point. Yeah. You know, Sue is trying to make him think about his crimes and how he makes people feel. But ultimately... He doesn't. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. And all Kyung cares about at this point is all I need to do now is just make this guy as fucked up as possible. Mm. Just screw him over as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So he goes to kill the rest of his family, who's the police chief and his fiance's sister. I believe so, yeah, sister-in-law. She gets killed. Yep. I assume that the chief probably dies from his injuries. I'd be surprised if he pulled through from a dumbbell to the head repeatedly. And then once that's done, he goes to hand himself in to the police, which is the Mm. ultimate fuck you. I've killed everything that you care about. I've removed everything that you like and and find comfort in and care about in your life. And now I'm going to hand myself in. So Now you're not even going to get to kill me. Now you're not going to get your revenge. It was all for nothing. And visually, that's a really cool moment, seeing this guy kind of disheveled, covered in blood, injured, holding a huge kitchen knife in his hand with his arms up in the middle of a busy street in Korea. That was quite a cool visual. It was a really cool visual. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, this movie's over. Like, I, what a ride this movie has <laughs> been. I have fucking enjoyed every single moment of this. And I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. Hoo-wee. I'm glad that it's over now. <laughs> I can breathe now. Oh, wait. What? <laughs> Agent Sue appears out of nowhere in a 4 by 4 and I love this bit. I, <laughs> it's so I fun. tell you what, I was a gnat's cock away from punching the air here. <laughs> Because yeah, like we're we're saying, like we've said, Kyung wants to hand himself in so that Sue doesn't have have the satisfaction of catching him again. So when Sue reverses and does that thing that that Jack Traven does in Speed, when he, the, the door, he gets the door to come off the car, he drives really fast up to up to the killer and does a spin. And he goes in, like he gets him to go into the car and he just drives away and he's got him again. And that was such a cool sequence. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this again. <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait to watch this again. That makes me really happy. Um, And then that's when he takes him back to Kyung's... His own dwelling. lair. Yeah, his yeah. own murder lair, which is very fitting. It's the perfect yeah. place to, to, to finish off this story. And he has that conversation with him, doesn't mm-hmm. he? And, and Kyung at one point is saying, please don't kill me. You know, I don't want to die and but all that stuff. But he's just acting. But he's just acting. It doesn't mean anything. And and actually, when he starts telling the truth, he says, no, "I'm not afraid. I don't care. Mm-hmm. This has all been for nothing. Yeah, you've you've wasted your time. People have got hurt. It doesn't like 
I'm not afraid of you. So yeah, what you've you, already lost. You've already lost. I've taken everything from you. That's, I think pointless. that's the most impactful bit of dialogue in the whole film. It's just like, who, who do you think's won? Yeah. You've already lost. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of feeding it into the, the theme of the entire movie. And it's a, a nice little capper just to go, this is definitely the movie you've been watching. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, he calls earlier on in the movie, Sue had contacted Kyung's family. That's how he found him, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it was, the, it was his son. That's right. His estranged son who told him the address. Yeah. So Sue's got Kyung um, tied up and he's hooked him up to uh, a guillotine. His own guillotine. His own guillotine. Yeah. And also to a door. So when the door opens, guillotine falls, his head comes off. But he's also made Kyung bite on a, a piece of rope that is holding said door open. <laughs> so if someone opens a door or he opens his mouth, he gets it's his over. head. It's a head off of a serial killer. Yeah. Um, and his family turn up because Sue has called his family and said, you know, you know, you know go to your dad's house. He's, yeah. he, he wants to say hello. Um, it's going to be a beautiful family reunion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they go to open the door and he gets a head off him. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. The, the final shot is Sue hearing the reaction of the family. Oh yeah, in, he's in left the tracker in there. Yeah, um, he's hearing the aftermath or their reaction to the decapitation of their son and father, and he has this huge release. He, I feel like in that moment, all of a sudden, that grief has hit him. It's not just that. I think it's it's the grief of losing his partner. It's the realization that. It's his fault that his partner's family are now dead, that he's passed on this grief to the serial killer's family. Yeah. Hearing them break down is kind of what makes him break down. Yeah. That seems to be the catalyst. Yeah. Um, and he realizes, what have I done this for? Yeah, he does seem to have a realization in that moment, definitely. I kind of had a, a fleeting thought while I was watching it as well, while he was walking away and that he has that sudden hit of grief. Earlier on in the film, I think it was at his fiance's funeral, he started to show some emotion. He started to cry, but he kind of stops himself. Mm. And then he embarks on this mission of revenge. So when I saw him being so emotional at the end, I was thinking, are you kind of trying to avoid grief by going after this serial killer? You're catching him. You're releasing him. Are you trying to, and I thought of Sisyphus, I thought of Mm. trying to cheat death. Um, Is he trying to cheat grief? There seems to be some repetition in catching a killer and releasing him. It's a bit like pushing that boulder up the hill. I don't know. Prolonging the whole thing. The longer that plays out. Yeah the longer he doesn't have to confront his own emotions, I that, guess. Yeah, that's kind of something I had, I had a thought about. And I think that's, that's the sort of thing that I like about this film because I think it has a kind of a clear message, mm-hmm. but there's so much else that you can bring your own thoughts to. Yeah. And it's not necessarily wrong because, as we said, it's subjective. And I've had many thoughts about this film. And that was just one of them. I kept thinking about Sisyphus. I think I told you the other day I've been thinking about Sisyphus. And you said, why is that? And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were very cagey about yeah. it. But um, yeah, there are many, that, that's a, a mark of a, an incredible film for me is if, if I can, if it's keeping me thinking days after and there's sort of no real answer to it, there's you can interpret no easy it answers. in different ways. Yeah, I think that's that's the way to make a, a film for me. Yeah, that's what makes something truly memorable. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Did you know that this film was sort of loosely based on a real life serial killer? No. I don't have a huge amount of information, but there was quite a prominent Korean serial killer that was dubbed the Raincoat Killer. And that was because, well, he was a self-confessed killer, rapist and cannibal. Okay. So, right. what, so a, what a winner. 
So I'm sure his parents were very proud. Right. So Kim Ji Won has kind of put all of these characters taking into elements. one. Ta- taking elements. Right, yeah. I see, yeah. Um, he's currently still on death row, but I did read that Korea hasn't executed any prisoners since I think, I want to say 1997. Mm. So it's unlikely that he'll be executed, but he is still on death row. And he was dubbed the raincoat killer because he wore a yellow raincoat during expeditions to lead police to like his victims' remains, basically, to the crime scenes. And so the media dubbed him the raincoat killer mm. because we love a catchy... Uh, we love a catchy name for our serial killers, don't we? Yeah. You've got to give them a name because how else are they going to market it? How are they going to market these stories? <laughs> well, yeah. That's Nobody's fucking... going to make a Netflix documentary about somebody called Dave, <laughs> the raincoat killer. Yeah. There's your story. No, they did. He bought a bank, remember? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, no, I did not know that it was based on um, some real life events. Loosely. 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 So do you think that he maybe had the idea for this movie and then looked for inspiration? Or do you think he saw that first and that inspired his... I honestly don't know. I struggled to find much in the way of um, interviews, yeah. certainly ones that were in English. Um, uh, with Kim Ji-won? Yes, okay. yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that might be a rabbit hole worth going down yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. And also, have you ever heard of the Korean screen quota? Scream? Screen. Screen. Screen quota. No. I did go down a little bit of a rabbit hole on this one. Basically, as I understand it, the Korean screen quota is something that requires the country's cinemas to feature Korean films, domestic films, for a specific number of days, which I believe is just in excess of about 140 days to sort of favour domestic productions, basically. But the government wanted to halve that so that there would be more space in cinemas for international releases, specifically American releases, but a lot of people in the industry viewed that as something that would lead South Korea to become more or less like a colony of the US. Right. They didn't want to defer to them and give them that power. So a lot of people protested in the streets okay. about it. I don't know where they stand at the moment, but I know Choi Min-sik was one of the main people who was protesting. There were thousands of people, but in terms of big names, there was Choi Min-sik, Park Chan-wook, uh, Lee Byung-hun and Bong Joon-ho, amongst others, okay. who all kind of campaigned against this as a way to you know, maintain this thing that was established in the 60s that favoured domestic releases, yeah. uh, which is kind of cool. Mm. And this apparently was Choi Min Sik's first major role in the wake of that. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Okey I've never do- heard of it. Okie dokie. Um, so wrapping it up then, mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty much done with I Saw the Devil, aren't we? I think I, so, yeah. I guess my, my final thoughts are just really what I've said about the film, it being so dense, mm. so much you can take from it and bring your own perspective to. There's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. It makes you think. We didn't even touch on the cannibal getting his how do you think I got these scars moment? No, no. <laughs> There's so much going on. Yeah, the Joker origin story. It's almost impossible to talk about everything. Yeah. It's it's kind of a perfect mix of kind of horrific scenes, action and social commentary for me. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is pretty much a perfect movie. I, I really, really fucking like this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And I would watch a sequel. Yeah. I'd watch a sequel with Agent Sue just going to town. Like, mate, right, sequel. Agent Sue has done ten years in but he's done ten years in jail. Mm-hmm. He gets out and now he's just a full time revenge person. <laughs> okay. And it's just pure action. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. Just for entertainment purposes. Sure. Um yeah, they, there was talk of an American remake at one point. Mm, okay. The last thing I heard was that Adam Wingard was attached to direct. Okay. Which I don't hate. 
I haven't really enjoyed many of Adam Wingard's more recent offerings, mm. but I think in the early days he was definitely one to watch. Yeah. But it's certainly, I mean, it would be pointless. I think so. It's already perfect. Yeah. If you're going to remake something, remake something that, you know, could have been improved upon. Yeah. It's not necessary. I haven't seen the old boy remake, but apparently it's a big pile of shit. <laughs> so I won't bother. Yeah. It's just not necessary. No. I no. think I think maybe with some types of films it's 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 not a ba- it's not necessary but it's not a bad idea. Mm. Maybe there's a bunch of people that haven't watched the raid because they're put off by the the the, the subtitles. So they would watch an Americanized version of it, which would be way less Watered good. Watered down bullshit. <laughs> yeah, because it wouldn't have eco in it. But um, I don't know. It's there's a place for it, but I don't think this is a movie that needs to be remade. No, at all. No, near yeah. perfection for me. I know yeah. you said perfect movie. It's it's a four and a half stars. It's it's it. There's probably no such thing as a perfect movie. The thing, the thing exists. Okay, <laughs> so just Terminator two. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this for me is immediately a four and a half. I yeah. think. I, I, two or three more times, this is going to be a five star, no problem for me. Okay. We're in complete agreement. Tell surprise. It's sick. It is. In many ways. <laughs> Shall we announce what we're doing for the very last episode of season two? I'll let you do it because this is your pick. <laughs> All right. So, episode eight of season two, episode 16 in total. Yeah. Last criminal movie we're doing mm-hmm. is Connor. Of course it is. <laughs> Of course it's it is. Criminals on a plane. From <laughs> I saw the devil to Con Air. You can't say we don't do variety. That's true. We we have many different genres and different types of films on this podcast. Yeah. So we're doing the classic Nicolas Cage in that in, in that period where there was that like trident of Nicolas Cage pinnacle action movies. Nick with a mullet. Nick with a mullet. Con Air. Mm-hmm. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can stay up to date with us on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok at sth underscore pod or support us on Patreon. Everything will be linked in the description.